What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle call! Hey, behave! On the video, you can tell if I'm playing the drums with a maracas. Uh, it's another Haberman of Middlecoff podcast. If you are watching this on YouTube, it's available, like John always says, down in the description below on YouTube. If you're listening to it, uh, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. we got a bunch of videos there. Yep. Weren't you in a band in high school? I mean, <laughs> Thomas Linz, who also once loaned me a sweet pinstriped Jordan jersey, had a band. And... Uh, I was not a very solid contributor to it, but they let what me was hang your, around. For what, a while. what was your what was your role? <laughs> uh, sing poorly sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Why? How what do you the, remember that? I just you know I got a weird. I can't I can't remember some things, and I can fucking remember vividly other things. What yeah. was the band called? I don't remember if there was a name. Again, I if it had a name that was, you know. I probably went to a few practices at somebody's house. At I, I am house, right? I am jealous of people that are like, you know, when people like aspire, like, I want to get into Stanford. I want one day to become this. I mean, you, you were actually pretty, like, I wanted to become a broadcaster. Most people, like me, you got no clue what you're going to do. But then there are the people when you, you hear, like, David Grohl, it's like, we were jamming at 16, and we knew we'd just do whatever it took to make it. Yeah. We did it for the next 10 years. Like, yeah. You just always remember, like, that Steve Jobs moment you're like, we were building the computer in the garage, and everyone thought we were fucking morons. And now look at us, right? That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, when it, it is. When it, it is. organically starts, to me, like this and you and our plight of doing media stuff has been a while. But we were semi-adults once we started. It's If you start it in high school, when you're still living with your parents in a garage, whatever it is, that's a that, that story is untoppable. Right? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, as a, if that band ever had a shot at anything, you know, it wasn't going to be with me. That was clear to everybody. But... Um, Again, I just talking about this as if I even have was a musician. It's just believe me, I had no place there. But I did start doing the high school football games in high school 
on Davis Community yeah. TV. You you were way ahead of I would say every single person that I knew about what you wanted to do with Most with uh, with Middlecoff the pulling guard. Yeah, you know. Now I I would say a uh, see you wanted to do football. Pr- we knew that something then. something pretty consistent is you know wouldn't you say a lot of young Jewish men in the media had a pretty good idea around that age, right? Of what they wanted to do. Yeah, maybe. I feel like now, like that would have been, you know, we're talking for people who don't know, we went to high school together, among other things, but um that would have been like oh one, oh two, oh three. I don't know. It's hard for me to know then. I feel like now for sure high school kids know I want to be a broadcaster. I don't know if that I don't have the same perspective I did then. Yeah, but at the time, I, I don't me, remember it, feeling like that a, was a thing, it, everybody. It, yeah, it, well, it wasn't. Was I'm just saying do. a small, small percent people that have actually made it, it's a small percentage now, clearly exploded. Like, I want to work. I, I don't even think people were saying, like, I want to work in the NFL. I wasn't saying that. Well, it kind of, I would you know, even say like when eight you, years later. tell me if this is wrong, but when you got, when you went to the Eagles, uh, what year was that? 2010? 10? I don't think, like, were, was everybody just trying to get, you know, like Moneyball had come out several years earlier, but people were not just, like, flooding from no. rent, from college and from media into front I, offices. I, I, I think that's, like, the last three or four years, really. I mean, the only reason I even thought about it is because I started working in college football, and I realized I was around these guys. I'm like, God, I'm just as smart as all these scouts. Like, I could do this pretty easily. And people were saying, like, God, you could do this. And then I kind of believed in myself, and then it just kind of organically happened. But it wasn't like, I'm going to be Billy Bean mixed with Ozzie Newsom right. and run the league and right. maybe take over Roger Goodell's job one day. Right? You didn't go to the Eagles with, like, a project. You just well, went I, with a recommendation. No. I, just, I just went like, Begging, can you guys hire me? Like, I don't even know what's going on. I, I also think that, and we've talked about this before, With I think coaching is kind of similar. I think a lot of people used to get into coaching because they really loved coaching. I still think that's an element of it, just like broadcasting. I think there's an added element now of money and the fame. Just like I think you see a lot of people in sports that talk for a living. Do they really love sports or are they just kind of doing it for the fame and the money? Just like are a lot of coaches, you know, back in the day, you know, I bet if you just went to an NFL staff in like 1993, most of the guys on the staff probably relative to the rest of society might have been making a little more, but it's not. None of them were millionaires, including the head coach. So is it still as quote-unquote pure, or has it become very more, you know, the economic influence is incredible, Yeah, right? I mean, it's a good question. I Maybe I would put it like this. Like, I think there's probably a lot of people who maybe their their goals were different when they started. Like there's probably a bunch of NFL coaches right now who just would have, who thought I will just be happy being a high school coach. And I think this happens a lot, especially in like industries that there's no clear it's everyone knows how you become a doctor. You go to medical school and you pass a bunch of tests and you study really hard or how you, how do I become a lawyer? Like you can Google it and figure it out. There's yeah. no, nobody knows how you, bec- how do you become an actor? Oh, you just, you go to Hollywood and you, yeah, but what do you do? But there's no blueprint. How do you become a play-by-play guy? How do you become I'm sure you get this all the time. How do you become a scout? And that answer's hard, right? If there's like a high school kid watching this cuz you get that question all the time. I got questions from high school and college kids like, "How do I become a a broadcaster?" And it's like, "Well, 
you could ask a hundred different people that question and you will get a hundred different answers. There's not a hundred different answers to how do you become a doctor or there, there's how right, do you become a there's pilot. There's one. Right. Yeah. The, 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 so it, I think that's very So true. my point is, I think what's happened is like a lot more people have just become aware being a coach is a being a scout working in a front office. That's a job I could have. Right. Yeah. Being a broadcast. Oh, that's a job I could have. I should pursue that. And then there's ways to do that. But, I would say I, becoming a scout is even harder to figure out how do you do that than becoming a broadcaster. Like broadcaster, there's a you got oh well I don't know but I'll just go to ASU or I'll go I, to I would Washington say if you State ranked it on Syracuse. It, yeah to me if you ranked it on the easiest one if you talk to a lot of coaches would be to become a coach like there is a direct path right how to become a coach because you yeah, can start at still, various levels you can what you, are your goals you, no, you can like, go you from any level your, to work up. You don't, you, but you can't even like put your YouTube out. Like, here's me coaching. Like, how do you get the next well, person yeah, to hire? Ac- actually, know? the San Francisco Giants hired a bunch of coaches that were That's Twitter actually guys. true. That's a good call. But, I, but I, I'm think I, when you talk football coaching, though, it, you can immediately get involved in high school. Yeah, you can immediately go from high school to get like the lowest level in college. Like, and there the beauty- is a hierarchy to get involved. I, but I think like this coaching, broadcasting. You've always, I mean, they've always been really famous school people. There is an element of coaching that if you're an NFL coach right now, that's like, damn. Because it's a couple things. One, you're kind of famous. Even if you're not the head coach, you're just like an assistant coach. Right away, also, I know you're making a lot of money. Right. Like, I, I don't think when we were growing up, it's like, damn, that dude's a linebacker coach for the Denver Broncos? <laughs> you know? But if, if your neighbor right now was like the linebacker coach for the Oakland Raiders or whatever... You know, people that once you start telling people that like sports, they'd want to go talk to them. Like, mm. you'd be like, oh, bring bring James. You know, bring him. Just like I think that you hear a lot of people in business talk about it. Forever, most of our life, it wasn't cool. Like, entrepreneurs. Right. It was like, what's that loser doing? Get a job. A J-O-B, buddy. Now it's like, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. It's like, yeah, most of you aren't going to do that. But we're at least in I coaching. I saw G- Gary V. Did you see this YouTube that Gary V. did recently about that? What do you say? Well, just that how like being an entrepreneur used to be like weird, like like it was not only was it not cool, it was like not cool, and now it's like cool. Well, probably pre-pandemic, it's probably a little harder now, and it's gonna weed. Yeah, he was talking like in the late eighties, early nineties, it was like a dirty word. For sure, you're kind of just like a guy, just kind of a loser. But why has it become cool? What's the number one reason you think? Well, I think because you see people making money doing it. Yes, and to me, that's why coaching now is really cool. When you read some of these stories, you're like, Mike Greenberg hosts a show about sports and makes $7 million. Everyone's like, Stephen A, clown. Stephen A makes $10 million? Genius. <laughs> uh, I know. And I'd say, like, for example, if you turn on Coward, and if you've watched him for a long time, you go, you know what? That'd be pretty difficult to do what he does. But I think a lot of people could go look at Stephen A and go, well, fuck, I could hoot and holler. And he's, you couldn't do it probably as well as him, but I think it's more like Mike Greenberg. A lot of people would say they could, but as someone that's kind of been on the other side and see how hard it is to host a show, his role, I think technically is way more difficult than what Stephen A is doing now, though Stephen does it to perfection. Yeah, it's, yeah, they're each doing something different that's, they're doing at a high level. I've always heard that Greenberg is like one of the smooth, like in terms of just like, handling everything is one of the smoothest in the business like one of the best there is and it's when you watch him it's obvious you like him or don't like him whatever same with colin like colin from the beginning has always been probably the most creative different uh 
sports talk host, I think. But but I think you're right. Stephen A is an easy one to go, oh, I could do that. Um, and maybe you could. So give it a shot. You don't have to make $10 million, Just be a tenth of Stephen A. What are you looking at? Uh, someone sent me this yesterday, a while ago, and he, he's like, the one thing that I noticed, just like a fan that listens, is like, uh, this guy gave me a compliment, but he's just said that so many people in like media or whatever don't get it. If you give a fuck, you'll have a career. And he's a great example. I don't know who exactly he was talking about. It might've been like Coward or something, but hmm. I, I think a re- uh, this relates to a lot of people. I, I think what separates people, for example, in what we do I don't think a lot of people like sports that much anymore. And sometimes I find myself the purity of like why I got into it kind of leaves you. And and I do, I do understand the other side. I I think a lot of people, luckily for us, and I think people on like that do shows and, and that have more creative control, like Colin or whatever, you, you kind of get to control a lot of it. Where I think a lot of guys that work like, you know, a lot of beat writers feel kind of miserable because it can be a fucking miserable job, you know? And if you work in a miserable job, it just wears you down and you kind of become miserable and you don't even realize it. And then I think often it works sometimes like Philly and New York, but for us on this side of the country, it doesn't really play like being miserable all the time. It's just, it's just kind of a bad look. And, and I don't think that those people, when they get miserable, like they got into it for the right reason. They clearly like sports. They, but it can just drive you away sitting to interview people. And now athletes hate the media. Now maybe they always kind of have, but so many of them, the disdain, the disconnect, it's just, it's a, it's a weird kind of business right now. Yeah, and that's probably a part of that too. I mean, I I definitely love sports in a in a way that's different than I did when I was growing up. When I had a favorite team, you know. Now I I I just root for cool stuff to happen. I root for if it's a game. Now it doesn't mean that I don't watch a game like oh I want them to win or I want them to win. You feel that way all the time. But but now it's not based on like always necessarily so sometimes it's based on who you like and people you know or whatever but sometimes it's just based on i want to see something cool happen and that yeah that still does that does a lot for me like most people watching this have a favorite team and that's who they root for if i'm doing a game i just i always tell coaches this before i do like not always tell coaches this but like guys i know who's like man i just hope we blow these guys out tonight i'll be like i don't I mean, I hope you win. If I want you to win, cool. But like by one, like I want a really good game. That's what I. Yeah. That's what I root for. Is games. Games being good. So, I miss games, man. I know. Me too. But because I think that's one thing that's get, that gets forgotten is is uh, games are the centerpiece of the whole thing. And right now, they we're, pay, they, they they pay for everything. They pay for everything, but they're also like, okay, we've gone two months, and you and I feel like do some pretty good content in these two months without games. But we've had the draft. Could you go two years? Just if games did, just two years. Could you go? Like at one point, is it like, God, we really? Yeah, there's no, games. there's no sports talk without games. It'd be like, just no more politicians. Like, what would the news networks talk about? Right there, there is a fundamental base of what we do is based on you draft guys and sign guys for the fucking games. Yeah. You fire the coach to get the new head coach to coach you for the games and, and also, the playoffs and the Super Bowl and the NBA playoffs you, and you build up to play in the golf majors and the Kentucky Derby and like this shit that we, our calendar is built around now there is like the NBA lottery and some of that fun stuff but really the the things that you bring up first is when is March Madness? When is the Masters? When's week 1? You know, when's the uh when's the NBA finals? Like you you don't do it like when is the uh 
when does the OTAs start? Like, no one even talks about that shit. No one cares. I mean, they do care, but it's interwoven and caring most about leading to the game. The draft matters. Which is kind of like the schedule happening. I mean, it's really cool. But why is the schedule a big deal? Because there's 16 fucking games for every team. That's right. It's, It's very aspirational. Right, the 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 draft matters because it's like, oh, we're gonna get to see these guys play a game. Um, yeah, I I, I said to, this to, to you me. The, the draft, I said to me, the, the draft is like you know, in a movie when you see a dude with a machine gun in like Schwarzenegger, but he also has the little cannon under it that he can shoot like a grenade. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like the added element, but the, the the bullets are really we're gonna take the most guys out. Right, but every once in a while you can shoot one of those. Poof, and it shoots, and it blows some people up. But really, you got to take people out with a machine gun. By the way, I watched uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith two days ago. It was on HBO. Yeah, well, is that where the the movie starts with them like shooting at each other and then having sex? I don't know. I didn't see the beginning. With is that Brad Pitt and Angelina? Yeah, yeah. They're trying to like kill each other and they fuck, but they're married. I don't remember. I didn't see the beginning, but I just know the end shootout scene is has to be one of the most unrealistic. Sh- I mean, every movie shootout scene is crazy. But this movie shootout scene has to be one of is, the most. But is that is that them in the house? Ever. No, that's when they're trying to shoot each other. It's yeah. They team up at the end, and they're just doing a bunch of this stuff where you got your back to back and you're like spinning, and they're facing each other and shooting the person behind the other person, and then doing more of these where you're spinning with your arms out. What do you think the terrible. the ratio of the movie scenes where you're getting attacked by ten plus, so it wouldn't be legal? John Wick, basically. Yeah, John Wick, and you never, ever get hit to just a reality situation, whether it's a gang fight or whatever, and just bullets are flying the percentage of time someone just gets a bullet to the leg or a finger or hits you in the it's back. Like or 15 on one in this, uh, 20 on one. Because if you got one. an automatic weapon and I'm just aiming at you're the dude. You're spraying. Yeah, well, even if I'm hitting like the concrete and bouncing up, I'm going to hit you. And you're standing down there in the middle. just. I'll, I'll give you the thing that never makes sense. When you're in like a Toyota Camry and the dude pulls up next to you, blasts, and you just duck, and then he takes off and you're unfazed. You're like, okay, yeah. You didn't catch one to the ass. You mean from you the know? side or when they're shooting from, from the, the back? From the side. Yeah. yeah, from the side or the back. When they're always like, like the they're back. driving like this. Yeah, so it's just going through the headrest. It's just not realistic. Uh, all right. Though we, every, we every time you watch, you're like, this dude's going to get nailed, and he he's never gets hit. No. Cool guys don't look at explosions, right? That's the great... Uh... Very, very true. Uh, before we move on, should we tell to the sports, should we uh, tell people about uh, what you're eating these days? Yeah, you know, Kinders. we got a couple friends, a couple local. We got to yeah, keep supporting friends of the show. as we kind of, as we battle through to phase... Are we in phase two yet? I know we're in phase one, not how many quite fa- sure. The, which phase phases. we're in is irrelevant to me unless I know wh- how many phases. There are four phases? Yeah, I think so. We got a couple more. Okay. Uh, our friends at Kinder's been around since 1946. Mm. Great, great food. I might go get a sandwich after we finish recording. Uh, they're all around. Started in uh, San Pablo. There's a couple in the Walnut Creek area. And then our friends at Evergood Sausage. You can yep. find them in Costco. You can find them in uh, Albertsons. You can find them in Nugget Market. Safeway. All over no- Northern California. All over California. I, I found uh, them in Denver and Seattle and Portland. Yeah. Go get them. All right. Eat them. All right, John, on to the schedule. We we did a bunch of videos right after, all on the YouTube page, about the Niners and the Raiders schedules. Um, I I think, I'm trying to remember, like, back a few years, when did the NFL schedule release become a thing that um, I was aware mattered? Like, there, I remember a few years ago, I don't remember exactly what year it was, 
But all of a sudden, something changed where I had to pay attention to the schedule release the night of. I couldn't just be something that I read in the morning. That feels like it was like three or four years ago. I don't know about what, what's your time. What? How do you think about what the schedule as it is today? Yeah, well, I, I got a big picture theory that Brady and Manning were the bird and magic of the the NFL. Yep, it took them theory. to another level. Now, the NFL, our entire life, was always big, right? It just the media landscape changed, gambling changed, fantasy football became. Yeah. I think fantasy the football Fox became. The Fox deal came in the mid-early 90s when we were. Yeah, it all just carved snowball and taken it to another level. The NFL is great for television. It's the perfect sport for society where we had a million options. It's like, oh, I don't really need to watch the baseball game. Or I just got it on in the background. Like, what score? Where you just you watch a football game. Yeah. Now also, you watch a you watch a basketball game if it's a playoff game or something. But it's like, oh, what's Steph going for twenty? Okay, I'll sit down and watch. You just not you don't have to be locked in. in by football, the way, you're can gambling I say and playing about fantasy. That? Sorry, you just made me think of something. The other part is like it's carnal, but it's not like boxing where you just see all the blood all the time. Like every hit is a bloody nose, right? They're they're covered up and it's so it's really aggressive. It's got that carnal element that people love. Well, there's but, a build up to it, right? You know, because there's a week, there's a week long. It's some famous television exec said it once upon a time. It might have been Dick Ebersol. Football was made for television. Yeah, I think football was made for modern day society. The setup of it, the way media consumes it, the way consumers consume it, the way it can it can involve a gambler. It can involve someone that doesn't care that much. But it's like, damn, I got. I'm gonna draft Joe Burrow. I'm gonna draft Joe Mixon. I'm gonna draft. DK Metcalf, and you're just kind of keeping track with everything. It's so national. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you like my theory about the Brady Manning, that the bird role that those two guys, magic role those guys played? Now, they were already really famous yes, players I before do. them, but it's just the how mainstream those guys became commercial, and they were both just born for it right? right and we could do we could do a two-hour podcast just on that right of like but it had to be brady with belichick and manning well, is the manning if, boy and, well right. guy if core if core team keeps going that's not a bad idea for like two weeks yeah uh, but yeah i, I, I do i do buy those two guys had a big there's a million things the madden video game fantasy football gambling i think having those two I, yeah that's all a big part of it and then what what to me, like immediately when the schedule comes out, you get betting lines, you get lines for quarterbacks about how their schedule adds up. And then you just, there's a large percentage of just football fans, right? Who is my team playing? You know who they were playing. But I think when you kind of find out your opponents, tell me if you agree with this. I don't think people pay attention that much. They go, oh, we're playing, yeah, the AFC East, NFC East. They don't really think about it again until, okay, we're playing the, we're playing the Eagles on no. Sunday night if I'm a Raider fan. Or fuck, we got... Because you knew you were playing Tampa Bay before Brady went there, but you're not really thinking about it now. You're like, when are we playing Brady? Sunday night football. If you're the right, like it's it's now. If there were water coolers, as if we were going to work right now. Well, you and I don't. I definitely don't. You have somewhat of a job you go to every once in a while. Uh, you would meet people at the water cooler and go, God, how cool is it going to be? Brady coming to Vegas? Like that would be a conversation. Yeah, but nobody we're, goes. We got the AFC East this year. Yeah. We're like, do you see our third place schedule? God, we're getting uh, we're getting the Bears. Who we got in the rotation? <laughs> and now I feel like we're doing a Scooter Magruder video. <laughs> but that's that's to me where the element of it. And I think the NFL, they just they've put all their chips in the table. I also think that you could build content around. One thing I think 
media people have learned and the NFL has learned. I think it works for all sports, but the NFL does a great job of this. Everything, every program they build incorporates everything. Like if you do an NFL Live in December, you're having a conversation with breaking news, who's going to get fired, who's going to get cut. Well, big picture, who can they draft? How are they going to replace this guy that's going to be a free agent? And they got all these little tentacles off just the football that week conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that the NFL, as the year goes on, because we're already talking like is uh, looking at a team. Uh, is Dave Gettleman? I mean, he's a bad example, but I just he's the first guy. Adam Gase. Is Adam Gase already on the hot seat? You know, and then it's like, who would replace him? Would they go after Lincoln Riley? Get him with Sam Darnold? Would, would Lincoln Riley? Well, he's had. He, look at him. He's had all these top recruiting classes. He's got you know Kyler Murray Jr. coming back. You just there's just all these tentacles. Here's an. Can I give you an example? I think I think this is what you're talking about. Kirk Cousins is a above average quarterback who played for a bad franchise who now plays for you know a better franchise, but not like a flagship NFL fan base. I mean, the Vikings are big, but they're not the Cowboys, right? And yet he is a they're like massive, a they're like an they're like a upper middle class. They got they got you, a good fan base. It's not about it's just like they are not a, like the top five national. They're not the Cowboys yeah. or the Packers or the. If 49ers. they're good, prime time, bad, irrelevant. And yet, so he has never done anything particularly remarkably extraordinary. Hasn't played for one of the bigger franchises in the NFL, and yet he's a massive story all the time. Listen to this. We recorded some scheduled videos. We threw them on YouTube. And then I was trying to figure out like what I was going to talk to talk about on three and out podcast. And I'm just, I flip on, I realize, oh yeah, ESPN is a three hour show. And it was like seven o'clock at night. So I flip it over. Trey Wingo's like, oh, they were interviewing Jerry, you know? And do you see the picture of McCarthy? He's got like the Beats by Dre headphones on. No. Mike, I mean, you're mixing a salad or something. I, I feel like you look really unhealthy. After a year off? God, he looks terrible. Uh, but so him and Jerry and they go, well, what's the latest with Dak? Or maybe they played the Jerry sound about Dak and Jerry just says what he normally says, how much they love Dak. They're doing everything to support Dak. Then they go to Schefter. Like what is the latest with his contract situation? Schefter had this curveball kind of out of nowhere. The thing Dak, he's like, what Dak really wants to do is get close to a fully guaranteed deal, but make it short three or four years. Mm-hmm. And the Cowboys are pushing, we'll pay you, but we're going to get five or six years and mm-hmm. basically lock you up. And then Schefter drops this nugget, which triggers me, that goes, Dak has been in contact with Kirk Cousins. Oh. And Kirk Cousins has been telling him, use the franchise tag as your friend. And it's like, Kirk Cousins? And again, he's not totally wrong, because then I added up his number, and it was close to $190 million he's owed. So he, if you actually wanted financial advice, he's not a crazy guy to as get As long as you don't from. get her, easy for him to say now, right, to you. True. Yeah, it, but it's just like, should Kirk Cousins, if, if he had said, like, he reached out to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, I'd be like, oh, you know, getting the different, take the most or do a Brady. Kirk, I was like, you're getting fucking giving advice to Dak. Kirk Cousins giving advice to Dak? Because here's like, my if question. If I was Jerry, I'd be furious. What was, like, what would what would have been, if if Cousins had gotten the contract he wanted, what would well, he have remember, Well, r- remember, the Redskins offered him a contract that would have been much less money, and he was already franchised the first year, if they had franchised him again the second year. Right. And they basically knew twofold. They're either going to franchise us again, so we're going to double the amount of guaranteed dollars, or they're going to let us hit free agency where we're going to cash in. So either way, but, it but makes... What I, yeah, but what I'm saying is, what would have been the deal that Cousins wanted from Washington? What would he have signed? 
probably like $60, $70 million. Right. And they were offering like and, 35 And what's Dak and, want? Well, like 112 or something? Yeah, like Dak's upside is much bigger than Kirk's upside to signing but, a but I But I think he, what he's telling Dak is don't sign an under-market deal. Just use the franchise right. tag twice. They'll either let you it's go or be forced to kind of overpay. But it's this not is, wrong. It just triggered me when you hear his name. Uh, you're yeah, like, well, but this I can't is, believe he's dictating. But sometimes the guy out ahead on a, you know, an issue in society, sometimes they're polarizing individual and may not be the best at what they do, even though they're right. Yes, they they um. If you were Jerry point. Jones, would that irk you a little bit? You're like Kirk Cousins shut up, Kirk. Jerry? But but it's shut up, Kirk, because you know that you're paying him below market value if you get the contracts you want based like what he would get as a free agent, right? You are in perpetual uh you are perpetually you have the upper hand because you chose the player in the draft. Why well, I guess one element Schefter said he's really adamant on is the shorter term deal, which see, is this cousin's is, idea. This is very interesting, John, because this is something that I think has hurt the NBA, not to get into this whole thing, but you and I have talked about what has hurt the NBA. You like my clicker here? That's actually just uh for my oscillating fan but i hold it oh. like it's a nfl clicker <laughs> um is team player movement i think it's that's a, we've talked about it major issue for the nba we don't need to get down that rabbit hole but like for example steve bomber just wanted an nba team there's not that many nba teams so steve said you know what's the team worth not two billion but i got two billion i'm gonna blow everybody out of the water here's 2.1 billion or 2.2 whatever he paid for the team there's a certain level of rich where you're Kevin Durant and you go, I'm going to take $3 million less this year because the freedom I get for that on the back end is worth it. The more money got individuals start making, the more they can start doing stuff like this, right? Are we going to see more of this in the NFL? And is the NFL well, going to have to adjust fast? Well, I thought about this listening to the Strauss book when he brought up the purchase of the Warriors and Joe Lacob was going up against Larry Ellison, who's worth $70 billion. And I thought I just thought about this hearing you. Did Larry Ellison want the team that bad? Because Steve Ballmer looked at it like he's buying a home. I don't give a shit how much it costs. I right. want to live there. I want the home. I'll pay what it takes. Right. And money's not an issue for me. Larry Ellison could have dwarfed them. So did he want the team? Yeah, but he still looked at it like from an acquisition. If you're bu- Steve Ballmer did not look at like, well, I'll be able to drive revenue this way. Now, he does once he gets it, but it was like, I want the fucking basketball team. And that Joe Lacob was like, I want the basketball team. Now, I don't have unlimited resources, if Joe Lacob had been Larry Ellison, is there one million percent chance that Larry Ellison would have owned that team? Because he would have been like, "I'll pay seven hundred fifty million dollars, even if it doesn't pencil." If the Joe Lacob, what- you're saying if Joe Lacob had had Larry Ellison's money, yeah, well then Joe Lacob would have got the team. Because w- would you probably agree that he would have been willing to spend like eight? He just wouldn't have had dollars? to do. He wouldn't have had to make it. You go behind the scenes. He just would have been like, "I'm going to." He said, an what, offer. "What? What's your number that you'll sign right now? Is it what would he million? have paid for the? Yeah, what would he have paid for the team? What do you end up paying? Five thirty? Well, I think he paid four fifty, and at the time it was kind of crazy. That's and right. he also or had maybe to the pay Bucks other were five thirty soon after. Yeah, I, he might have paid seven. If he had unlimited money, he would have wouldn't have flinched like six fifty because yeah. he would have been a big picture thinking going. Well, we can turn this into something. But, but you're saying he wasn't thinking that. He's just thinking, I want this. It wasn't. And even Joe then, it wasn't even about the money. He was scrapping every fucking penny he had because all he wanted to care about the team, where I think sometimes with, like, Kirk Cousins, now here's where you could balance. He was thinking money was a driving force, but I'll, get, I'll defend him. He turned down the Jets to go to the Vikings, right? And that was a better – he did pick the best football move. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. So he balanced them both. He took a, but a little decision less, he could make because he had already gotten rich. And this is where I get back to Dak. Like, where are his 
kind of options. Now, this is not a Dak Prescott, but this is what I'm saying. Like, where the NFL just thrives mm. is like all of their conversations, where the NBA conversation, for example, it just becomes, where's Kevin going to go all year? And there's not much else to it. Where the NFL's, it's just like this this base of the football and then everything, you know, like the, the not to bring up COVID, but the picture of when you when you go really tight on COVID, it's got all the little things. It looks like a mushroom, a bunch of little mushrooms. And it's just got all these little tentacles coming out of like, where's Dak going to play? And then if Dak leaves, like, do they get a new quarterback? Do they draft a guy who's in the draft? And it just it just snowballs where everyone, you're just kind of part of this huge game. Well, which is, And they're, they're all, unlike the NBA that feels kind of hollow, it's like, oh, my God. The NFL, it feels like, okay, is Trevor Lawrence, is he actually good? Let's watch him. Like, is yeah. he worth the number one overall yeah. pick? I saw Matt Miller the other day tweeted that Justin Fields, when you really watch him, tad bit overrated. I didn't watch that much of him. But he did feel like a guy that, wait, he couldn't throw at Georgia, then all of a sudden he's just some star at Ohio State. Let's just, I, I, you'd be shocked. I bet some old people in the NFL are just like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Prediction, the second pick of the NFL draft in 2021 will be Panay Sewell, offensive tackle from Oregon. I'd push back there that I couldn't put that in stone, given that what if there is a Chase Young type out there? I don't know who that would be. But that guy, sometimes like a Khalil no, Mack. This guy. This is the guy. See, this is, but this I, is the. I'm not have, putting it in stone. I'm just saying this I is my prediction. Him. I it, honestly, he feels a lit, not overhyped because everyone Schwartz. I mean, a lot of people in the NFL. I've like seen him. John. I've seen him in person. You don't even realize he's an offensive lineman when he's running around, but then you find out he's massive. I mean, then you see you. He's a freak. So you you think this generational guy is a, tackle? Okay, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. No, I'm not I putting just, it in stone. That's just just my prediction. I think it's going to be. My point is the hype on this guy. I know. I know. Feels. Really high. I know. And that, Especially this guy because got injured. Who, there aren't who a lot of people ta- out there like me and Jeff Schwartz that just love watching offensive lineman film. You know, but, and, and sometimes I, I think with the national kind of uh, the vibes, the you know the Big Ten and the SEC guys sometimes take off stronger in the hype train, right? And Clemson, where if Panay Sewell was at Alabama, I think you would see his name a lot more with like DJs of the world. Yeah, he just I, I don't haven't see watched his name him yet because he well, because he's had two years of hype, but he's not. No one's. This, from a scouting perspective, the people who really are scouting are worried about this draft, not the next. My one. first reaction, and I'm I'm a hype monger sometimes. I also see the flip side of I think sometimes hype, and I'm not I'm not trying to pick on this guy because fuck, then his brother was a five star. Clearly, this guy's got it's headed to the NFL really high. I think it just you you know it can just yep. snowball. But there was wouldn't you say last year after Bosa goes, every single person was like, Chase Young, Chase Young. And it was like, yeah, Chase Young too. Yeah, I think he's a Chase Young level. I I guess my my pushback was just, if there is a sweet pass rusher, sometimes those guys go above a tackle. Right. Now, you could argue, like, it it wouldn't be, someone might, if this guy's viewed as like the next Tony Baselli, right, or Trent Williams, someone will trade up for a tackle. Yeah, I I think that's what's going to happen. That's just a prediction. I'm not setting it in stone, and I think you bring Would the Haberman, uh, Duke, Manny Weather, Jeff Schwartz evaluator say that Panay Sewell would have been the number one tackle in this draft where four guys went in the top ten? Yes. It feels like that was the vibe, I think there will be big boards that he's above Trevor Lawrence on, but he's just not going to get drafted ahead of the Who was the guy from Washington that was viewed like Panay Sewell three or four years ago and then hurt his back? uh, Trey Adams? Or is that the guy that just got – that was just an undrafted free agent. Yeah, but like fucked up his back and tore his ACL. Tore his ACL had multiple lot. injuries. But wasn't going into like his junior year. This guy was viewed as like a top five. 
No, prospect. not Trey Adams. Trey Adams is the guy that just came out. Isn't Who's there the isn't there a guy with a last name M like McGray? McGray oh, McGee. Ka- uh, well, there's Caleb McGarry, but that's not. The, that's not who I'm thinking of. Uh, no, that's not who you're thinking of. Who is the guy you were thinking of? Why can't I think? of Remember, his name? there was a guy watching. Yeah, I do. You know totally. Left tackle. Yeah. He get he tears his ACL like in October. Where where, where are the Sewells from? L.A. I think you Utah. Oh, Salt Lake City. Okay, good lineage there. Oregon's got a good history there. Isn't uh, almost at Hideki Matsui, but I was watching the he, game. It's a uh, Haloti Nada. Haloti Nada. Yeah, he was born in American Samoa and then went to high. He then moved to Utah at some point. Haloti Nada, Tony Finau, Penel Sewell. Penel Sewell. Yeah, Tony Finau, Utah. I think they're all basketball cousins. player. I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, I think no, I think you're right. The Lotaleles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, John. The uh, couple schedule things we wanted to get into. Not the same was, stuff we talked about. Miss on Middlecoff scouting. I got that was peer pressure. I didn't really love Star as much as some, and I was kind of new to it. And everyone was pressuring me. It's like I, I don't see it. And you know, let's call space. He's a good player, but you weren't inexperienced, probably. Yeah, just kind of blah. No. He's gonna have a seven, eight year career, but he right, went but not top the, fifteen. Yeah. Star Lota lately. Anytime your name Star is pretty sweet. It's a good name. Uh, okay, a couple of schedule things we didn't talk about in the YouTubes. Um, one from the Niners' perspective. And this is nice, like, that that it's easy to look at their schedule, and the primetime games are part of it. But I would say the games that we have identified the last few years for the Niners as our favorite games, neither one of them is on primetime. The two Seahawks games, right? I do think they put that 1-3 as, like, their fingers are crossed. The, the Week 17 game? Yeah, because I saw come. I saw Kawakami tweet, and he's right. NBC, which is the most important property right now for the NFL, right? Their highest rating is Sunday Night Football. The Niners have three Sunday Night Football games. The the NFL, Philly, the Rams, and the Cowboys. That they are, they're a, they're their West Coast cash cow, and I think this Week 17 is always open for whatever game matters. I think the NFL would always sign up unless. What would you say? Maybe like Cowboys Eagles. I mean, that would probably be their first choice, <laughs> if that's even the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bear, like, would, they, would, they, would they rather have Would they rather have Dallas Week Seventeen in a in a must win get in than San Francisco Seattle? But they, uh, so Dallas just, plays the Giants Week Seventeen. So that game probably won't mean anything. They play Philly Week Sixteen. Who would be a team? Uh, yeah, I mean, they they would have to be up there. Maybe who does Brady play Week Seventeen? Because um, you could tell Atlanta. me, like, but what if it's Brady? What if it's Atlanta? Tom Brady for the, the winner gets into the playoffs. I I think yeah. that would be a big Ten- game for Tennessee him. at Houston. That's not to more me, attractive that's than la- Niners. No, no. Uh, yeah, you're right. This really is kind of the game. Broncos Raiders. I mean, I could see even if it's a what they actually. They just put whatever game has both teams have implications to get in the playoffs, and sometimes right, right. it's rare, right? Sometimes it's that's like, how you end up with Texans. Yeah, I mean, and it's the right move because you can't have like you're playing the Giants and they're fucking tanking, you know, and and they've won three games, no one cares. It's always the situation. Sometimes Monday Night Football finds themselves in, which is not fair. Sometimes that you like see a game week ten, you're like, oh. Steelers Bears, you know, and it looks pretty good on paper right now. And then you get there and you're like, uh, the Bears are three and seven. That's why the week. That's why you. When I told you you'd love the week two Thursday night game. Yeah, because I think you could Bangle, utilize just a, Bengals Browns. If I if I knew Tua was playing, let's say I would use Burrow and Tua on Monday Night Football 
in the first couple of weeks and just who cares if they're zero and one or two and you know one and one? Who cares? I was like, damn, I watched Tua. You know, now, it's it's harder to do when Joe Burrow has fifteen picks and six touchdowns week eight. And you're like, I don't fucking want to watch Joe Burrow right now. They did do Tua a favor by having New England week one for them when he's probably going to miss one th- of those games. Do you think he's going to play this year? I think he I think might. He's one of the great unknowns. Yeah, by the end of the year, I think he might play. Is Josh Rosen still on their team? Uh, I think he is. But not for long, as they say. What yeah. if I told you? You know, is there going to be 30 for 30 on Josh Rosen? He went from being my favorite prospect, or one of them. I like Sam Darnold more, but feels like his career guy is almost over. I mean, it, but this back to the Niners thing. I had... If you guys only chose, had any idea how hard we've had a time staying on topic today. <laughs> yeah, how, how just just cyclical sports are. Yes. Round Chip Kelly, and even that first year of Kyle, I was just like, I don't know, this feels like this rivalry's kind of been lost. You know, the great part about, like, the Ravens get created, right, in the late 90s, they kind of get immediately good. Belichick's fired or whatever, and their, his last draft was Ray Lewis, Jonathan Ogden, and the next couple years, Ozzie, they're just good, and then the Steelers are good, and they just have this built-in rivalry, it just happens. and it, But it maintained right for like a decade where it was like fucking Raven Steelers let's go you know it feels like a heavyweight fight where the Niners it felt like they started like that where it's like this is incredible and then just ended because the Niners but the the Seattle kept rolling I would say the whole NFC West has felt like that at different points in time right yeah but I'm, I'm talking about this specific rivalry which I would argue is their best rivalry like when you just ask someone if I went to Texas and go what's your favorite West Coast game to watch in the NFL. They're like, oh, Niners, Seattle. That's a fun fucking game, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of resonated. They had some star power. Niners, the bigger brand than the Rams and the, and the Cardinals. Because I would agree, when Carson and Arians, they did feel pretty big. Like, you could throw the Cardinals on Sunday night. I was like, nah, this. they were beating teams. But this game, that back to mattering, part of developing a rivalry, right, is just history and being at it for a while. And yeah. that's what... The rivalry went from there was no. Did you think there was a Seattle Niner rivalry before Harbaugh beat? I mean, I, no one did. But it, it went zero to sixty, literally like one game. You're like, uh, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Have you watched any Yankees Red Sox from like just the games have been on ESPN, just randomly over the last like couple weeks? No, like, I watched a little of the Aaron Boone game a few weeks ago, but that was it. Yeah, I flipped the other day. It was like the '04. Game four, where they're down 0-3, and you, you just feel the ten, and just feel. But the history, it, like you watch a big Duke North Carolina game with Vince Carter or something, you're like, God, this means. That's so why much I never so complain people. when I'm like Sunday Night Baseball, Yankees, Red Sox again. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I love it. I mean, what else do you want? Cubs, Cardinals, I and mean, we got about four options here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, this is I, one thing you have to hope is that the Niners stay good, which I think we're, they're going to be good. Should win somewhere between ten and twelve games. I think you could say. It wouldn't shock me if Seattle's the one seed. It wouldn't shock me if Seattle's the five seed. But I think they're a playoff team. That Anytime I get two playoff teams and they're already kind of have some animosity, is just competitive hatred, It's I, I'm very excited for these games. Yeah, and it helps. You know, the Sherman element helps. Um, both teams have star. It's just an easy one. It's just an easy one for everybody to follow. I, you know, we talk so much about this, so I'm not going to go back down the road of like, the NFL's advantages, but their storylines are just easy. And this one is as easy as it gets because they've both, you've seen them all play big games. Um, I, but I'm just, that that's going to be a cool element. Like 
I think over the next decade, those two teams, remember Al Davis used to do it in Denver and Kansas City. They all used to kind of rotate players. That helps because you're like, I love that motherfucker. Now I fl-. And think about the Yankees and Red Sox. When that rivalry got put on steroids, it was like, guys jumping, guys signing with the Yankees. It's like, Johnny Damon was our guy. And now he's there. It just, that adds a huge element. And Richard Sherman, beside Russ, was by and Marshawn was one of their most famous players in the history of the franchise, and the Niners get and then he's good. Yeah, but the Red Sox Yankees rivalry is built on that, right? Is the baby? Well, that's what I'm saying. I think that I think the Niners like it's the original. Yeah, be like if the Niners had traded, you know, uh, like they they traded out of the 12 spot in the first round so the Seahawks could draft Russell Wilson, or a guy would be like this. It'd be like when Legion of Boone had turned on Russell Wilson. And let's say Kyle showed up, and somehow he landed Russell Wilson, and then they went on to win some yeah. Super Bowls, and they but, never won a Super Bowl again. It's Babe Ruth. Wouldn't you say Russell Wilson's the Babe Ruth of Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, I mean, yes. I wonder if it's if the NFL is to have a story like that. It almost has to be more coach, you know, like probably does. like like the Giants or the Browns, like the Giants losing Belichick. Well, what if, what if this the, somehow Pete Carroll retires in the next couple of years? The Jets, I guess. And there's like some inner friction with Kyle. He's like, let me out of my contract. They let him out of his contract. And then like John Schneider makes a play. How would the Niners, like fans of the 49ers, let's just use that scenario. At least players you can understand. They're free agents. They get cut. When Pat Riley left the Knicks for the Heat, you know, in a situation like that, or Phil Jackson, you're like, is this guy just, what the fuck? You would hate that guy. Now, I don't think that's a scenario. But that's that's what we need to really up the juice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just the, the I, part of what makes their schedule great is that the division used to be there. There have been years, stretches of years, where the divisional games were death, just the worst. Like the Cardinals Niners was the Cardinals. I mean the Niners Seahawks were just fucking guaranteed naps, just three hour naps where you pretend you watch the game, and um. There's none of that. There's none of that now. And then you add to that when you were good, guess what? Your schedule's good. I would say if if I said to you, John, pick out the games that you go, you could see, there's a you could reasonably see you get to the game and you're just like, well, okay. I mean, you'd say I'd Miami. say there's one, two, Washington, Miami. Hell, I'll tell you this, week two, what if the Jets beat the Bills week one? I'm gonna play Probably not a year-long fantasy, but I'm going to play a lot of daily fantasy, and I think I'm going to take Kyler Murray a lot. <laughs> like I could, yeah, the oh, Cardinals damn, he had two touchdowns throwing, list. two down touchdowns running. I think there's like two games. There's the potential for four games that you like, meh. But two of those games are week two and three, and that's too early to be going, meh. So, well, I think you, you, you people could be able to text me on like a Sunday morning, like, oh, what are you watching? You watching Red Zone? No, I'm watching Cardinals Browns. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna be keeping an eye on the Cardinals. Yeah, I think that game is cool. The Patriots are cool. You could the Jets Giants, but I, I love watching Sam Darnold. You could say the Giants got snooze fest potential. That's what I'm saying. So Giants, Jets, uh, Washington, and um, Miami. But 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 again, the Giants are that's week three. So. You're into the season now. That one is like if they're zero two, who do they play early? And it's like you're watching. It's like you're watching the Niners play in the same stadium. They play Pittsburgh and at Chicago. They could be zero two. God, you see the the opening Monday night. It's kind of a weird doubleheader. 
It's like Pittsburgh at uh, what would you say the Giants play Pittsburgh? That's the that's the first game. Giants Pittsburgh. The second game is Broncos at Tennessee. Has has a game ever been that far east? The second night game. Am I oh, right on that? Yeah, that's weird. You're right. Shouldn't it be Tennessee at Denver? It is Shouldn't Tennessee they, at Denver. Oh, it is. What I'm looking at says Tennessee at Denver. Okay. The the thing I read must have been wrong. Oh, it's at Denver. But that, okay. Yeah, I thought. But but I'll tell you this. Even that is like, that's our second Monday night game. Yeah, but I I think their argument is like I could throw you Jacksonville playing Jacksonville. It's always the argument, watch. right? Yeah, and they're right. Um, speaking of the second Monday night game, no, I'm kidding. Uh, the Raiders secondary market, John, is off the charts. Uh, Darren Ravel tweeted on uh, Thursday night, spoke to some big brokers tonight. Secondary sales of NFL tickets are roughly 15% of he- ahead of what they normally are when the schedule is released. The Vegas Raiders are the stars. Six of their eight games have get-in prices of at least $400. Now, somebody did, I was DM, just a Raider fan DM me, who said, because when you talk Haberman and Middlecoff, you talk open DMs. Um, this is uh, Garrett. So he's like, hey, the Tickets are off the charts. And I'm like, yeah, might not be great for the home field advantage. He said, well, actually, what I saw was that most of the ticket sales are from Vegas and Southern California, so maybe it will be good home fields. Anyway. More than, John, this is Calvin Watkins. According to TickPick, five most demanded tickets by measure of average purchase. Raiders, $547, number one. Cowboys, number two, $320. Well, what do you think about this? $220 difference. I saw, is it Fred Rogan, the famous news guy, sports guy down in L.A.? Yeah. He tweeted, he's like, kind of weird, the Rams only got one home primetime game in L.A. I think it's, is it week two, Sunday night football? Well, they pl- their Sunday night week one against Dallas. Okay, that's it. So that's that was their only primetime home game. I think they got a couple other primetime games, but they're, that's uh, their home game. I think they've got Monday night against the Bears. That'd be two. Although I think that game's in Chicago. I think that game's in Chicago. All right, let me check their schedule. Where the Raiders got four. Let me repeat: four primetime games. Now, one probably could be flexed if they're shitty, which would be Week Eleven versus the Chiefs. But Monday night, Week Two is happening. Yeah. So Sunday night, Monday night. Fred Rogan. He's wrong because this is Monday night. Sunday night's the Cowboys at home. The Bears are at home on Monday Night Football. And then the Patriots are at home for Thursday Night Football. So they get three? Still less than the Raiders, but yeah, three. Okay, that's my... Do you count Thursday? (laughs) Yeah, I count Thursday. So disregard that. So the Rams got taken care of. The Raiders got... The Raiders got taken care of two, though, right? I mean, they gave them four. This is a team, unlike the Rams, who have last three years won. So at least you go, well, the Rams should be pretty good. There is zero, and I let me repeat, zero indication that the Raiders are going to be good this year. There's just none. The history would show us they've been consistently terrible. They are risking. Now, the, the early season one, it's an easy risk. Monday night, opening Vegas, be really cool. But I think by the time you get to Tampa, when we've talked about their schedule, there's, I mean, they could easily be one and four. So you go into Tampa after the bye, one and four. Now it's Tampa Bay. Tom Brady, but still, like they, they are, they're taking a, and they did this a couple years ago. Remember, after the Raiders pl- made the playoffs, they gave them the max amount of slots as they deserved, like Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper, DC, AC, DC. 
or a, yeah, yeah. ACDC. <laughs> Khalil Mack, Del Rio's kind of cool. It's like the Raiders were cool again. And then it was all of a sudden like, oh my God. And they got flexed out of them all yeah. fast. So do you agree that the the league is, you kind of got to do it because you the stadiums are cool, but they're, it could be bad football. They're, they, and to me, but the there's key, a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, guy. the key is just for it to be average football. Just don't let it be bad football, right? These are all home games. So if you're playing Tampa week seven and you're one and four, are there a bunch of Raider fans there or a bunch of – who's there? It'd be one but thing me, if you were in Tampa to me, that and the place ma- is sold Doesn't that matter less, though, who's there and how you look? Yeah, I'm just saying, uh, like, let's say the week 11 game, that could be flexed, right? Sunday night football against Kansas City at home. Yeah. Let's say that game was at Kansas City. I would know that even if that game was not flexible and the Raiders were a three-win team, it's going to look Kansas City. It's going to be sold out. It's going to be a great environment on TV. Oh yeah. All four of these games are home games, which means either if they're not playing well, it's not a great crowd, or it's not their crowd. Which, to your point, if it's all Chiefs fans week eleven in Vegas, that's fine for from a TV standpoint. That's not a big problem for the NFL, um, but it is for the Raiders, for the. But team, not look, for the franchise, if that makes sense. Let's just not even include the Chargers. Let's include the Rams. Couldn't you put the Rams and the Raiders in kind of the same realm? Like, there is a huge unknown how it's going to sound, how it's going to look. Not that the stadium won't look good, but, like, are there, definitely with the Rams, is the place sold out? You know, is it just people just kind of sitting there? You how cut yourself off. You're saying the for the Rams, that's a risk. Is the place sold out? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Because yeah. like, the Chargers, I, I would say no, right? But But – Sure, but the Raiders, we feel pretty good. I mean, the Raiders are sold. Well, there are going to be people there. Yeah. It's just going to be fascinating. The atmosphere, is it super loud? What's it look like? I mean, the stadium's going to look good, but you know, the vibe. It's a great point. Does it, that even matter? But you'd say, well, when I watch a game with Minnesota or New England or fucking Pittsburgh or Kansas City, the place rocks also, on Monday night, right? Also, what does Sunday night and Monday night look like compared to Sunday afternoon in Vegas? Good, Another good point. Um, but I, I think, I mean... Again, sold out. You got vacation days. Take Monday off. Um, yeah, but you're I, they're going to get their chance. Like if they're here's the thing, you couldn't ask for a better opportunity, right? Exactly what I was going to say. Like the upside, if you're a Raider fan, you're listening to this. You're like, why are you guys talking about the negative? The upside is if you're just kind of good, you don't have to be great. If you're just solid, like solid enough that the Raiders are three and two coming into this game against Tampa. Like okay, right? The Raiders are. Uh, what would it be? Five and four coming into this game against Kansas City. Like, okay, that might well, be good he, enough. Here's what they have that LA doesn't have. When I say, hey, they're playing an NFL game in Las Vegas, the first even couple years, I think you could be sitting there with your wife, your girlfriend, your buddy, even if you're not a big Raider guy, you'd just be like, oh, let's take a look, right? There is an intrigue there. And that's where I think the element of if they are just like, damn, they're kind of good. It's cool to be like, Monday Night Football's in Las Vegas. Sunday Night Football's in Las Vegas. They want Vegas to be good. Well, I remember, t- I think I told you this. I remember being in Vegas uh, the fir- just for like a weekend, the first year of the hockey team. Golden Knights. Yeah, and they were, it was either right before the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, when they were battling for the uh, Conn Smythe. Yeah. Uh, or uh, Isn't that the award you get at the MVP? Oh, is, I, what's the name of the tro- – the, oh, the Stanley Cup. The Stanley That's Cup, the one you yeah. win. Consumize who they give the guy, the guy they get to. Um, <laughs> there goes my, there goes my the, street cred. Can you name their coach? 
the uh, the Knights coach? Yes, I can. You can? Well, just because I saw it the other day, the Athletic wrote a story. It's the guy. The that, guy from the, the Sharks? Sharks fire Peter DeBoer. DeBoer. Peter DeBoer, of course. So I was the play. I admit, I gotta admit, Vegas was like. They were all in. Like you turn on the radio, they, they it's won. All nice. They won. They won right away. Billboard. That's what I'm saying. So, but but I, I, they were really good. But I I would think if you're just good enough, seven play, again, what, like what the bar in the NFL is like. Just you just got to be around the conversation when December rolls around. Even well, fuck mid November, you just be around like the seventh playoff spot. That's enough. Listen, we, we I grew up. You grew up right around Sacramento, and I think there are some comp Sacramento Vegas in the sense of you give a town that doesn't have a pro sports team a pro sports team you you take so much pride in that team so when Vegas gets the hockey team even though hockey on the sports hierarchy is the bottom where the NFL just in general you gave any town an NFL team you get a fucking erection right you got a fucking NFL team in town we get NFL football in town then there gets to an element they there this is not their first team right like, if you gave Sacramento a bad baseball team to go along, the Kings, let's say the Kings were good, or Oklahoma City, or they're just used to winning. If that team sucks, it, it would lose its luster really fast. And the thing with Vegas, unlike a lot of towns, is they're a star-driven town, they're a bright lights town, they're a badass town. They're used to sweet shit. So th- this first year, you're going to get somewhat of a pass, but you have to win. Yeah, I do. I, and I don't think you get a pass in the sense of, Last year they had moments where they look good, moments where they look bad. Like you can't be losing the Jaguars, you know, I, if you're going to end up going under 500. Yeah, I do think there's this other element that's hard to quantify, especially because we don't live there. But like one thing I think really really works for the Kings in Sacramento is that Sacramento has a chip on their shoulder. So even when the Kings are bad, it's like these this is our team and we need them to be good. I think. You know, I don't know Vegas. Vegas is probably closer to like Scottsdale or something that way. Right? Well, like I don't know. I mean, one thing as this whole thing was unfolding, were they going to go? Will they not? I do think when it came to the hockey team, one of the things that was a factor with the support they got was that people were just always telling Vegas, you're not a pro sports market. And so when they got a team, I think you had a lot of people who weren't really hockey fans, but there was just like some local pride in, yes, we are. Um, and I think that really helps those types of towns where people tell you you're you are like Cleveland, right? You, but Cleveland's got multiple teams, so it's not even fair to them. But when people, you're you're not you're not a big time sports market. They're like, screw you. We we sell this. Thing. We've got the best Brown. Our Browns fans are great. Cleveland's a great place to watch a baseball game. Well, do do you think, for example, you and I, if instead of the Sacramento Kings had been there, <clears throat> it had been like the Sacramento Red Wings, and it had been a hockey team, and like when we were in high school. And the those Weber teams start dominating. That team had started dominating. Would we probably be more into hockey? Probably. Yeah, I think right? so. Yes. One hundred percent. Because, and I think that's where there's a difference between: Do you have three sports teams in your market, or do you have one? Well, when I when I moved to Philly, and I worked with guys that were from the Philadelphia area, obviously they were football people, but they were big Phillies fans. They were big Sixers fans, but they also always had hockey takes, like Ramsey-Zeit got just not getting it done in the second line. Uh, we got fucking, what the hell's this coach doing? Like the gentleman, they had, a, I have no, I don't have hockey takes. I don't have. And I think the majority of sports fans in America, unless you grew up in a hockey town, don't have hockey takes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But the hockey fans that exist are really hardcore. They're very passionate. That's yeah, where fan base. it's going to be. I, I wonder like, do the Golden Knights, 
do they even factor into the way people are going to – because the NFL is just so popular. It's you such know, a big sport. I don't know. I think one thing that complicates it is everyone's been to Vegas many times, and so you have opinions of Vegas, but the Vegas that you attend is not the Vegas that is – like, that's not really – right? Vegas is like Henderson and all these other – but it's not where people live, the places that we hang out. But I think, remember, the average NFL stadium – remember when they moved, one of the stories was depends on, like, seven percent out of town right it was a tiny percent project now like their projections yeah yeah in like a 65 or a 90 mile radius outside of that right so i think just sacramento wouldn't count if you're going to a nine or a raider game but like guys coming from out of maybe it was out of state right was that it i think it was yeah maybe it was out of state uh, it was definitely I just, just remember it was it was just people from a far distance yeah, coming out to of towners game. And the average NFL fan was or stadium was relatively a single-digit number, and the Raider number was like thirty percent, which makes sense because when you think of Vegas, every like you, it's a great example. I, like I've never been to Chicago, I've never been to, you know, uh, Charlotte. Like I haven't been, but I would imagine if you went to all these places that some guy, you know, I've never been to San Francisco, or I've never been. Most people would say once they hit a certain age mark, I've been to Vegas, right? <laughs> It's just one of those towns. Everyone's kind of flown in. You go for fun, and that, and maybe they are right. Maybe a lot of people are going to come yeah. in because to see other teams. I do think it'll help. I mean, it always helps, but there is tangible pressure on this team given the way that town kind of operates. Like part of the reason Frank Sinatra or Elvis or whoever can end their career because they're a big fucking deal. Now the NFL is a big deal. The Raiders have not, you know, fans are going to get mad at it, haven't been a big deal the last 17 years, right? They just haven't because you can't lose all the time. and It's just impossible. It's just, it's not, even be like, well, the Cowboys, yeah, the Cowboys made the playoffs four times in the last decade. You know, it's just, so they have to win. Or, I mean, they don't technically have to. I just think it could, it could get kind of weird fast. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's. If you if you arrive with a big bang and give everyone a reason to get invested early, now you've got some loyalty. Now it doesn't mean you can't make money, right? Because Jed lost right away there, and it did, he was yeah two different cash. things. But that's why I say what's good for the team is not what's good for the franchise. The franchise, as long as they're selling everything out, it doesn't matter where those fans come from. Yeah, that's different than what's good for the team. If we could kind of parse through it, like home field advantage is good for the team, right? You, if you were the team, you'd go give me. 35,000 only Raider fans in the building. If you're the organization, you go, nah, give me 30,000 Raiders and 45,000 everybody else. I'd prefer that. Yeah. Um, so we had a Christmas game this year. I couldn't figure, it took me a minute to figure out why was Christmas on Wednesday in 2019 and Friday in 2020. And then you reminded me, we've got a leap year. There's a chance, Middlecoff, what do you think about this? That the NFL will play on Christmas now for the next four years because we got Friday, Saturday. If they're playing Friday, then they're definitely playing Saturday, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, they play Saturday anyway that, you that know, weekend. in the last yeah. two weeks. Yeah. So you got Christmas Day football for the, probably Sunday and then a Monday for the next four years. I, I don't remember them Whatever doing this, there? but it happened this year where they've done the 26th or the 27th. Have they been doing that the last couple of years? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, I I don't remember that. But I, I haven't maybe looked that closely, but this year it stood out to me. I Is there a chance that, let's say I just had a kid, and this was going to be obviously his first year of life. So in 10 years, he will be you know coming into his own as a sports fan. So in 2030. 
for you and I, when I think Christmas Day in sports, I think NBA. Mm-hmm. I think like Michael Jordan growing up, and then Kobe and Shaq. I remember what a big deal it was for the Kings to play the Lakers, and then Kobe forever, and then LeBron forever, and then when the Warriors got good, it's just you just know who's playing the main game. It's your two best teams slash your two best stars, typically, right? Or your best rival or whatever's going on for like that kind of uh, lunch window for us on the West Coast. I think it's like 1230 here, you know, 330 on the East Coast. To me, when I think the best game. Is there a chance that in like 10 years we think like the NFL is synonymous with Christmas? Now, it'll be fascinating. Like, could they make their schedule work around like a Wednesday or Tuesday game? Be a little more difficult. But if this thing's a hit, which, how's it not? It's Saints-Vikings. It's going to be a good game. And you could, again, I think put like Jaguars-Jaguars on a Christmas day and you would dwarf the NBA ratings just to begin with. Did they, One, I think it's fair to say they did this on purpose, right? They saw an opportunity because typically if, it, if Christmas was just schmishmish and it wasn't anything, I don't think Sorry? they would be playing on Friday. I'm just saying if, it did, if the day didn't even have a name, if the day was just nothing. Yeah. If the day was just Christmas was on Wednesday, I don't think they would have done this, right? Well, this last year it was on Wednesday. They didn't do it. Yeah, but so you, are you in agreement that they specifically went out of their way to put a game on that once they realized that Christmas was on Friday? Yeah, look, yeah, if Christmas was a Sunday, no one would blink twice or blink Don't even once. Think about you it. wouldn't, right? Even Saturday, Friday is yes. I I think it's the perfect kind of combination of it's close enough to what they normally do that it's not crazy to try. Like if the first time they tried it, it was Wednesday, be like, what are you guys? Or like a Tuesday? Or Tuesday? Like yeah, what is this? Weird. The Mac? You're not the Mac. So Friday is perfect in that it's close enough that you can try it and it's not crazy to try, but it's also a departure from what you do normally to the degree that it does get everybody's attention. And it, Yeah, you're right. 2019 might have been the last year that the NFL didn't play on Christmas for the rest of I, their I think, lives. I think it's fair to say that when someone tweeted it, it probably got forward to someone in the NBA League office that their eyes were like, what? that it was just one of those moments where they did a double take and someone forwarded it to Adam. I don't even know if he even knows what's going on, but I, I just think this was a moment where the NBA, like I, I don't think the NBA, the NFL even cares about them. They're just seeing a day, a, a holiday. They're going to try to just dominate it. Right. Where if you're the NBA, you're like, holy shit. Because who's to say guy? I know what you're going to say. I, I, I'm a little shocked they didn't put multiple games right. on Thursday, aren't you? try you? one, or Friday. and then if it works, then you try two, and then if that works, then you try three. But if I was in charge, I'd be fascinated if Roger or whoever the schedule, like, I understand maybe not do, like, three like Thanksgiving, but wouldn't it have been pretty easy to do two? Or are you just trying to be, like, give your team Christmas? But they're all playing on Sunday, so they're still practicing that day, right? Why wouldn't you Why wouldn't you put two games? I'm a little flummoxed by that. Um, it's a good question. I don't know. Just because I mean, you got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because they're playing Saturday it, that week. Yeah, they are playing. It might, it might just be a lot. Um, right, you, you're working with all these different combination of games. So I'm like, I'm like looking like New Orleans is coming off a home game and Minnesota's coming off a home game, right? And then they both go play road games the next week. I, I got a question. Maybe there's the just a lot to. I got a question for you. Okay. Do you, do you have one of the Minnesota Saints schedule up right now? Uh, yeah. Do, are they, they just play on a four-day practice week? Like, do they play on Sunday? How does that work? Yeah, they. so I've got Minnesota plays Chicago week 15. 
Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, or whatever. Yeah, then plays Christmas at New Orleans, then plays at Detroit the following week. So it would be, you know, you don't want to make too many teams. Yeah, you don't want to make too many, and it might just be too hard to like. Maybe you, maybe you say to yourself, "We want both teams coming off a home game." And just well, you might you, be- you could argue if you were them, you wouldn't want to play on Christmas. You're like, I got to play a Thursday game, which everyone does, and I got to play this Friday game. No one else has to do the Friday game. But, but couldn't see, you argue they, if you I were? I don't think they. I don't think they play a Thursday. I think this is their Thursday game. Like just oh, like, it is. Okay, that would make sense then. Yeah, I think this is their Thursday game. Okay. Well, then if I was another team, will they get an extra day and we got to play? Th- Friday's better than Thursday, John. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all of a sudden Christmas becomes like you. Everyone wants that to be their midweek game. Well, if you were Sean Payton, would you rather play just a random Thursday night game throughout the year, or play on Christmas and get the extra day of prep at the end, at week sixteen? By the way, you would one million because percent Thursday night games stop week fifteen. Okay, so they this makes a little more sense. It'd be a little more complicated. Tuesday or Wednesday, the NBA's in the clear. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they're screwed, right? Yeah, but moving forward, why wouldn't you just – You could maybe you could still find a way. now Manipulate it like a Monday night. But, no, but nobody has Tuesday. a bye after week 13, so that'd be hard to do like a Wednesday. Yeah, it's, a, it's a little complicated. I mean, you can find a way. We played Monday, Tuesday, and the next week Sunday. Yeah, well, but, but, ne- but soon week 16 there'll be a week 18, so. True. You move the bye week back. Um. See a new high, high school football coach? Do you want to talk about that or Earl Thomas? Yeah, we'll start with that. Really quick, Philip Rivers. Okay. Just because I... Have you watched the press conference? I did not. I just saw the picture I haven't either. of him I heard in, it's the, a good in press the team conference. polo. Probably is really good. I, two things really jumped or out. Or maybe it wasn't. Was, it a, was there a press conference? How could there be? Yeah, I think it was introducing him as their coach in waiting. Okay. <laughs> is that if I was a kid right now, if I was a ninth grader, I was going into my ninth grade year, so I was going to play JV football. Can you imagine how fucking cool it would be to go? It'd be you know, a lot of staffs all over the country have a guy that played at Boise State, that played at Miami, that played at where that a lot of college football players eventually kind of coach high school. I think Chad they, Johnson can, coaches in L.A. Yeah, Jason Taylor coaches the team. Saint Thomas Aquinas. Oh, uh, who's the it's guy? John over. Kitna, right? He was really the, good high the school co- coach. Coach at Davis High School where we went played at Boise State. Like it's it's normal to me. I, I bet most high school staffs. Have a guy that played in some. Tim McDonald was a coach at Edison High School in yeah. Fresno forever. It's another level to get. I bet there's a decent percentage of like a dude that got from like, you know, Nebraska, got a cup of coffee, whatever, moved home, runs a car dealership, also coached the high school football team. It's another thing to have Philip fucking Rivers, who is a 15 year, 16 year NFL starting quarterback, who's gotten to like eight Pro Bowls, who you've, you've watched. Million times if you're a kid or that parent, that's badass. Be like, Phil Rivers is gonna be my high school coach, and then they go, well, actually, we're gonna have a lot of transfers coming in, so you might not be able to make, cut it here. <laughs> you know, well, what was the deal with? Jo- wasn't Josh McCown like backing up? Same, he, well, he was the co- he was the coordinator though. Yeah, he wasn't the head coach. But he, did he miss any high school games, or was he making it to every high school game? I I didn't look into it. How would he possibly have made every high school game? Well, I mean, they're Friday nights. Like you can make it, right? Short, how, how depends on where you are. The week? Well, you're What's not he doing during the week. But, but think about it, you're an NFL quarterback for your whole career. How easy is a high school practice? True. Film study. Well, uh, again, when they run the veer, 
I give Philip credit that everyone said this is what he was going to do. It's and I was like, yeah, awesome. we'll see. And then he just, like, no, he was not bullshit. Well, he's always, anybody. I guess he said in this press conference, there's two things I wanted to be when I was a kid an NFL player and a high school coach like my dad. And that's why I think Philip Rivers is a badass. That's pretty awesome. It is kind of funny, too, right? That you've got Brady who's trying to play forever, and then you've got Breeze and Rivers who have basically set up their farewell, farewell tours, like pre retired. Have set up their it, jobs well, afterwards. If I if I told you this right now, Guy Haberman, you are going to get an NFL package. You're going to be calling games. I give you two choices right now. You can pick Drew Brees to work with you or Phillip Rivers. You got 10 seconds to make a decision. Who would you choose? Rivers. Because he'd give you the better chance to be like, you guys could be special, right? Yeah. You go, this guy could take me to the moon. I think you wouldn't like Hate life with Drew Brees. He'd probably be solid. He probably his ceiling to me is like John Lynch. People are gonna like him, be solid, but you'd always be like, does this guy want to kind of go back and run a team? Does this guy want to do other things? Rivers to me would just be like, this is awesome. You might have to be the next John Madden. Yeah, and I think he would have been. I, I just think he would have been a star, man. And it, clearly, he's not. He's telling. He's told us all what he was gonna do, and then he's backed it up. I it's just Drew Brees like. I, I, I'm not uncomfortable with it, but I thought it was always kind of weird. It's like, why is he signing a year early? It's just kind of bizarre. Yeah. It's like, Drew, they're going to sign you whenever I, the fuck I wonder, you want to get signed. I, Maybe it was like a take it or leave it offer type well, thing. Well, no, but, but I wonder if it's um, I wonder if it's part of NBC's negotiations with if there's TV impl- contract implications where they had to say, like, look, we got – this is why you should keep us as premium because we – But can't you always kind of find sweet guys? Maybe no. it's a little more difficult. Probably not. You're right. Because look, I, how many people have called Rivers? He's like, yeah, I'm going to go guys high school. I'm not going to do it. It's pretty awesome. Could Rivers do both though? Uh, I mean, yeah, he could. Would it be difficult? But, but I don't think it'd be easy, especially for the head coach. Yeah, I think it'd be difficult. If you want to really be, a, do you really want to be the coach of this team and like be around the team every day? Which I'm guessing is what he wants. I think it's really cool. I, it's awesome, yeah. Um, so so I try, and I've done a pretty good job of quarantine and not using my phone to wake me up because that's what I've always done is like you roll over, you're kind of tired, you open up the phone, and because it blasts your eyeballs, it's just within two or three, you can just wake wake up faster. But it's not good. Like I don't think the first thing I do in the morning should be just like put Twitter into my head. So I've done a pretty good job of not doing that. that- Better man than me. But I don't. I I've done. I like. I had my best stretch was like four or five days in a row where I got out of bed, didn't look at Twitter, you know, brush your teeth. What? Well, not brush my teeth, but get coffee, whatever, and then just give myself like 10, 15 minutes. But it's been back and forth. So Thursday morning I wake up, and usually the first thing you see is like Wednesday night's tweets, or you know, like you, it's usually not like you wake up at seven and you see seven a.m. You usually see like, oh, that's funny, and then I'm gonna retweet it, but then it's like, oh no, that was thirteen hours ago, right? Yeah. So Thursday morning, I wake up and I see middle. I see your a tweet from you, and I'm like, "Is he fucking high? Why did he? You tweeted like, we're gonna find out after Corona that all the players are having orgies, and I almost texted you like, bro, what are you like? I know you might have a few drinks again on Twitter, but were you drunk last night? I hadn't seen the Earl Thomas story yet, so I'm like, what is Milkoff talking? Like, what happened to him last night? No, my question was, I think I originally tweeted. It's going to be fascinating to see if Twitter shames Earl Thomas for breaking quarantine for an orgy or gives him the benefit of the doubt because his wife put a gun to his head. Yeah. Or there was another one I did. 
a th- future of 30 for 30? Yes, that's the one I saw. And I'm like, yeah. what? What if what I if know I had edible you. every once in a while, but is he, did he go next level? Is he on Coke? Well, well, when you, mushrooms? What is he you doing? You agree when you click on the TMZ story and just read through it. But I haven't seen like, any of that, John. All I've seen yeah. is your. Pr- there's going to be a 30 for 30 about orgies. And I'm like, bro, are you? And then with, you know, within like 15 seconds, I catch up like, oh, okay. And then it's like, you try to, re- I can't even figure out Earl's wife, His brother, tracked him down. There was, first you're like, the women confront him. So I'm like, the women confront him with other women. Well, she brings some friends. Well, yeah, she but I didn't realize friends. that. I just thought there was like, yeah, why does she have friends with her? I couldn't figure out why did she have friends with her? Well, have you ever watched like, uh, what a story, you know, like, uh, any show that has police involved or military when they ping the phones mm. and they can find where you are by where your phone pings, yeah. you know, in a general area. I guess I didn't know this. You can ping with Snapchat. She was able to find his location by signing into a Snapchat because that's where he like texts with his chicks on the side, finds him. So not just finds like the general area, like the CIA, she finds like the apartment or the hotel. I, it's incredible. John Airbnb. And then bus in. That's what it was, an Airbnb. Yeah. And then to go in, we've all seen, even if you've never hold a gun, you, you we've all seen enough movies where you take out the clip and you empty the chamber, right? Because when you put the bullet, you put the clip in, the bullet loads in the chamber, right? It really it's funny as it is, because the result, orgy, the brother, the wife. There could have been a story less than a month ago that Earl Thomas had his head blown off because the triggers are not, there was no safety on. That was one thing in the article, like kind of crazy. Also, it just must be Earl's my Earl's first reaction as just a football player is probably attack. Mine is like roll over, run. He attacks the gun. That's fucking nuts. Guy. Well, think about the, how many times. What if the, what if the, what if the bullet, how about this one? Let's say it, he hits it and the gun goes off and shoots one of the random you know, prostitutes or whatever. He's having an orgy. Maybe they're not, maybe they're just chicks on his the side. Maybe not doing for money. Yeah. What if he shot mom. his brother in the leg or what? You just, you know, who knows? Well, you the st- story could have been absolutely insanity. Think about just how easy it is to have a misunderstanding, right? Especially then a misunderstanding or just when emotions are high. And so you're going like, there's a bullet in that chamber. No, there's not. Yes, there is. No, there's not. And then it's like, well, fuck you. I'm going to prove to you there's not a bullet in this chamber. Click. Oh, fuck. Like, that's over. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Uh, the other thing I thought was, if you're the Ravens, because didn't you tell me you saw the Ravens are trying to, as of the recording of this podcast? Well, I think Florio tweeted out that they are looking into, there were stories last year, I think they regretted the, the signing. Which is what If they could really get out of his $10 million guaranteed with cause, because he didn't, one, I think I read a couple days ago, like they had no clue. He didn't tell them shit. He, he, he hid this. Which to me is somewhat on Earl Thomas. Like, I'm sorry, your wife gets arrested. You do have to reach out to your organization, right? This wasn't just like, even if you didn't do anything. Well, even he says in his video, like my, he says in his video, my agent told me this is about to hit TMZ. So he thought maybe for, what day did it happen and what day, it came out Wednesday night. What day did it happen? April 13th. Oh, so they did keep it quiet for a pretty long time. Yeah, this didn't happen like a week ago. This happened a while ago. That's right, because he says in the video, we're talking now. You know, you just try to... My favorite part was, you just try to live your best life, and sometimes you trip up. Yeah, it's like... I I mean, the funniest part, obviously, is being naked with your brother with a bunch of chicks. And then it gets to the point where it's hard for anyone to shame about tweeting because she almost shot him in the face. 
it just it's got a lot of elements to the story. The NFL part of the story is like you said, he didn't break any laws. No, nope, he didn't do anything wrong. The one thing I thought reading, it I, was I like, don't think he's he, suspendable, right? No, he's not suspendable. But is he out of shape? Is his wife right? He was drinking a lot. Is he? If I'm the Ravens, I'm like, well, are you out of shape? Because we didn't think you were great last year. To your point, if he is, uh, high school sweetheart, they've been together for a long time. Oh, really? But they only got married <laughs> recently. Yeah, but they've been together since 06. Or they started dating in 06, like when they were young in high school. Gotcha. Um, if he's a Pro Bowl player, then they're not even thinking about it. They're not as mad. No. They're just they. What it shows you is they were they they've been looking for a reason. They wished, and now they weren't even looking for a reason. They were just like, oh, we're stuck with them," and then something fell on their lap. I understand if you're them. Like you can't not tell me about this if you're on the team. You have to reach out to us and let us know, even in quarantine, right? Yeah, Your John, wife gets arrested in a domestic them, violence. They even if he had told them, they still might have tried to find a way to cut him if they thought they could. I, I also think there's an element. And the one thing I was tweeting kind of making fun of, I think common people, including myself, because I I don't know people that, at least I don't know of people that tell me they do these things, that just famous people, rich people, especially young athletes and young actors, are doing things behind closed doors that I think would blow us all away. If you told me this was, yeah, just normal night for Seth and Earl, you know, when they just blow off steam, they got, got these chicks, uh, where I don't even know where this was. Was it in Texas? Was it in Baltimore? Uh, yeah, I, didn't, I don't know. Seattle, wherever they were. Yeah, it's just they got, they got the group. Seth brings them over, and it's just, it's all on like Donkey Kong at the Airbnb. <laughs> There's How many Airbnbs are used as just like a brothel for famous people? I don't know. Flop houses? <laughs> Jesus. I went down, I was watching some, uh, I went down like a um, John Mulaney uh, YouTube rabbit hole the other day, stand up comedian. Yeah, because I hadn't really watched a lot about him, and somebody told me, "Oh, you got to watch Melania." I was like, "Oh, okay." And I knew he'd been a writer for SNL for a long time, and I never really. So I come across this SNL with him and Pete Davidson, where they're on Weekend Update as themselves, and they're talking about threesomes. And Pete Davidson's like, "I've had one," and Melania's like, "I've had none." <laughs> but it was just great. I, the I'm like Pete, you know, you're like Pete. Go on, like, well, tell me more. <laughs> And I'd say, and like, if you'd you said how many Pete, threesomes with Pete Davis has had, I would have been like seven. Yeah, if you would have said over under nine and a half, I would have taken the over. Yeah, right? weekly. I actually heard an interview one time with Pete Davidson. I think with Howard, he's a pretty interesting guy. He is. He is. Honestly, I was like, I liked him. Yeah, a lot. he's funny. I I, I, I kind of judged him. Just uh, I don't know the look. I don't even know why. And then I heard the interview. I'm like, God, I'd fucking hang out yeah, with this guy. Yeah, he's got a judge. He's, he's more he's more normal, I think, than probably people assume. Based on the comedian, the look, and the whole thing, right? Yeah, I think he uh, he's he's um, he's got issues, and he's very open about them. And so I think he's really well, his, he, his dad was killed nine eleven. Correct. His dad was killed nine eleven, but then even just beyond that, I think he's like you know yeah. major depression issues, drug issues, whatever. Like, but I don't. But don't you think like you lose your dad at a young age, it all kind of leads into certain. Uh, things, it ha- yeah, but he's really open about it. I think he's very um, relatable for people. Um, yeah. He makes you know he's the, butt, he's the butt of a lot of God, his own I jokes. Like he's guy. got a Judd Apatow. He's just I just saw it today. The King of Staten Island. There's a, there's a Judd Apatow movie coming out with starring him. You see the new Seinfeld stand up? I did. Pretty funny. I really liked it. Yeah, he's funny. It was good. Yeah, I liked my favorite part of one of my favorite things was that he says there's only there's only two things sucks or great and there's no in between and they're really close to each other. Like the restaurant you went to, it either sucks or it was great. There's because that's how I feel, John. Right? Like, oh, I, I did I say this on this show the other day? I don't think so. This either sucks or great. Maybe I meant to. That like maybe you did. 
That's what when I did my Yelp when I started doing it. Once I said oh, I was yeah, doing my yeah, Yelp yeah, reviews, yeah, yeah. it either sucks or great. That's it. Like that's a Seinfeld thing. And I just want to do the great. And the sucks is really close. I agree with them though. Like, and I look for this. If you're like, oh, the, yeah, the sandwich is pretty solid there. I'm like, oh, let's go eat. Would that. that's you, all you need. eat it? It doesn't have to be the greatest sandwich you've ever eaten. It's just, do you want it? That's good enough for me. Yeah, Jerry had a good point. He's like, uh, you know, listen, the difference between sucks and great, like, our lives are not that much different. Like, yeah, yeah. my life's a little better than yours, but the difference in you and me isn't as big as you think. Yeah. yeah, I got a little more money or whatever. He had a great line. I remember Jerry Jones, when they were on one of the first hard knocks, he opens up the team meeting. It's like, Jerry, why are you opening up the team meeting? Where he's like, I could be anywhere in the world, but I'm here with you. And Jerry said that. He's like, I could be anywhere in the world. I'm here with you. How many of you guys would be sitting here if you were in my position? And he's like, not many. Yeah. But he's like, I, for whatever sick reason, I love being here. Yeah. Because I like hanging out with you guys. Because it's not even really hanging out. You don't even get to hang out with me, but I get to say I did some things. Right, right. I got to hang out with yeah, you people. love the woman's like, I love you. He's like, I love you too. You love me. I love you. It's the best relationship we'll never meet. He's dead on too. And it is clearly shot before quarantine. How everyone wants to say like, I did something. Like, I went out. I went to get dinner, but then like halfway through, you're like, I'm ready to go home. Yep. But you want to be able to say, like, I went out, but then you don't really want to be out. No. He's hilarious. He is. Go watch that. He's still, he's still got his fastball. This video is great. Like it. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up. All with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.